The Pinball Network is online. Launching Pinball Innovators and Makers Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Pinball Podcast focused on the innovators and makers who are crafting homebrew, custom, and retheme pinball machines, the technology that makes these personal projects possible, and the companies helping with these journeys. Custom pinballs are a deeply personal and technically challenging undertaking, requiring time, money, knowledge, and most importantly, the desire to make it happen. I'm Dan Rosenstein, your host. Join me and let's go under the play field and see what's needed to make a custom pinball possible. Hello, friends and listeners. Uh, we're back, this time at the beautiful Pacific Northwest in Tacoma, Washington, at the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show. I'm super excited to have John Manuelian, also known as Lynn, the creator of Frozen and Haunted Cruise and the Pinball ARS platform. Uh, Lynn, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, uh, I'm Lynn. Um, as you said, I created the ARS platform. Um, I'm still creating it. It's still a work in progress. Uh, I Haunted Cruise, Frozen, Tale of the Dragon, all kinds of games. I did like a dozen games, and I'll, I'll mention some of those as we go. So it's pretty cool, Lynn. Um, you know, I, I got to talk to you a little bit the other day. Uh, Lynn flew all the way from Massachusetts, the beautiful Pacific Northwest. He brought the great weather. It's been 75 here pretty much the whole time. What do you yeah. think of the Pacific Northwest? Um, it's cold. It's been 80 <laughs> back in Massachusetts. <laughs> That's, it's really nice over here. I'm definitely going to be back. I, I want to make this an annual trip. So Lynn's been uh, a spearheading along with, with Aaron, who we interviewed last uh, last time on the show, uh, the the uh, customs and homebrew uh, area at the, uh, at the at the at the show. Um, so Lynn, why don't we why don't we quickly get started? What's your origin story? How'd you get into pinball? Um, I got into pinball because a job forced me to make a pinball machine. Actually. So uh, it's not not a real pinball machine. It was a, a PlayStation Three game called Pin uh, Pinballistic. It's a heads up one versus one pinball machine where you can grief each other back and forth and all kinds of things. Okay, wait, yeah. wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step back here. So professionally, you got introduced to pinball because professionally somebody made you work on a pinball machine. Yeah. Can, uh, you, can you explain a little yeah, bit about? This? All right. Well, when I was younger, I I was mostly into arcade games. I, I've been collecting arcade games since I was in uh, high school. Right. My parents were very uh, allowing for me to do that. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, but I was a very, very much so a, a Nintendo video game guy. So pinball, when you're young, it's always like, hey, what is this thing? It's not flashy. Well, it's flashy, but it's not flashy like an arcade game was. Uh, I enjoyed the, uh, the Pinball 2000 stuff, but there was only a couple of those and you couldn't find them that often. So fast forward uh, to, oh, what was it? 2007 or something. Uh, the company I was working with at uh, Create Studios decided, oh, hey, well, why not create a, a PS3 uh, pinball game called uh, Pintast- uh, uh, Pinballistic? I keep saying Pintastic, it's a show. <laughs> um, and none of us really understood pinball. Like, we knew there were some rules there, but it was just flashy lights and uh, mechanics. Uh, right down the road, there was a Monster Mini Golf that happened to have the simplest pinball to, uh, game that was created ever. I used something called Simpsons Pinball Party. Yes. You know, it's it's very easy game to learn, and and it's a very approachable game. Oh, the absolutely. Theme. So uh, I I learned how to play pinball on that game. Then uh, a couple months later, once uh, uh, Iron Man came out, like version zero of Iron Man, that replaced Simpsons, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Because it went from like a million to to nothing. Like the first version of Iron Man had almost nothing in it. Right. Uh, so I was discouraged with that. But yeah, uh, 
I, I had to learn the rule sets and what it meant to play pinball and why people would play it for uh, a PS3 title. And it, the bug just bit me. And I already had been collecting arcade games, so I got Super Mario Brothers, the pinball machine, as the first game. Tore it down, clear-coded it, did the whole nine yards. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so you, you, did, you did rest, you dove right into restoration. Oh, yeah, as well. right, I've been having, collecting arcade games for a couple of decades at that point. So I was used to like doing that kind of thing. It just pinball was new. And uh, Mario Brothers was simple enough that I was able to do it. Um, but as a developer, just owning things is not enough. So, <laughs> especially if I had to make it for a job, I, I kind of run with it because I'm a crazy person like that. So uh, uh, dovetailing off the crazy person, dovetailing off the fact that you're a developer, how, how did you go crazy? How did we get into, into, into homebrew then? Uh, it's Well, it's just a natural thing. If you want to make something, then you got to brew it at home, right? Uh in Massachusetts, there are no pinball manufacturers. At the time, only Stern existed. Because this was before anybody else tried. This was even before J-Pop even tried doing anything. Um, so you just got to put it together in your garage, go to Home Depot, get a handy plank, buy an old game, uh, take the parts off, because back then, no one cared. It was, you know, $100 game in the barn. It, that's not worth anything. Uh, little do we know now. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I grabbed a blackjack. Um, I took the play field. The guy scrapped the cabinet. And so I took the parts off and displayed. So um, it, it's interesting. A lot of the people I've interviewed have, um, you know, have started on one, maybe their second or starting on their second homebrew. How many homebrews have you done at this point? Uh, well, completed none. But <laughs> how many have I done? Is, is any homebrew ever completed? Ultimately, you, you need to stop, say, yes, it's done. But then again, I'm being a game developer. I'm different mentality that I have to just drop it, in and say, that's it. It's, it's yeah. done is better than better sometimes. It, exactly. Um, and so Haunted Cruise is actually the very first one I started designing. Yeah, I, I was like, way at, back in the day. I was looking on the pin side thread um, to do to do my homework for today. And uh, it's the pin side thread is 11 years old at this point. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's that's new. <laughs> I, the, the game, I started making the game around 2008, 2009. Oh, wow. Actually. Yeah, um, the very first images I posted of it, um, which I, I have one on here, and um, if, if you, anyone watches the, the Fast Seminar that I did, you'll see some of these old images. Uh, it was posted to uh, the Killer List of Video Games forum, the Taylor forum, way, way back when. And I had to go back to that forum a couple years ago to dig out that thread to find it. You, you can still find a custom pin by me somewhere there, but it's, yeah, I have, it's, it's like, what, 16 years old or something? Oh, wow. Okay, so 15 years old. It's, it's ancient. <laughs> don't, don't post anything there. You'll get yelled at for uh, necromancing the thread. So, so um, talk, talk, talk to the listener and me about how you went down uh, two things. Number one, using the Pinball 2000 platform. And how you decided to go with Haunted Cruise. Okay. Well, the, the, using the the, te the Pepper's Ghost technology that uh, the Pinball 2000 used, that's a later story. Okay. The My Haunted Cruise is an earlier story in that um, at the time, really, the only haunted Clayton game was like Haunted House. And there might have been maybe one other one. Yeah, you do. You have Adam's Family and Dracula, but those aren't really haunted games. They're more theme themes or, or like licensed themes. And this was before uh, Ben Heck made his America's Most Haunted, which it's a haunted theme, but it's very tongue in cheek. I wanted a very moody, haunted, you know, you, you get sucked into the atmosphere type of game. And so that's kind of what drove it. 
uh, I'm a big fan of Disney, big fan of the uh, uh, their haunted mansion and whatnot. So I knew it's my favorite ride at Disney oh, as well. Yeah. I had no idea. Uh, I mean, especially when there's no line, you get to ride it like ten times <laughs> at night, and when your eyes are adjusted, you can see all the little things you're not supposed to see. Have you? Have you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, have you ever gone during um, uh, during between Halloween and Christmas? No. no. So it's, it's they do it as as the as uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. So I've never been to Disneyland. Uh, I only go to Disney, Disney World because yeah. you're on the, way, in the yeah. East Coast. Or, or there, yeah. Um, I want to make it Disneyland at some point because I know they have a, some new things. Anyways, that's a tangent. But <laughs> well, the point is, yeah, um, I like uh, Haunted Mansion a lot, and I wanted to do something similar. Obviously, it couldn't be Haunted Mansion, so Haunted Cruise. And uh, it, it just kind of ran from there. Uh, how does What does a cruise ship look like? Well, you have an upper deck, and you have a mezzanine lower deck thing with the, all the shops and such. And then you have guest rooms, and that's what dictated the two-level play field. And this is before I even knew about... Um, last night or anything, because I was I was very green on on uh, pinball and so the 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 first revision of the of the haunted cruise you said was uh, to, to, to tell the listener a little bit about how you built that out, what platform you used, what did you start, um, how, how how did you go about doing that? Well, the listener can't see these pictures, but I'll pull them up just for my own sake. Um, so yeah, I, I originally just made a, a little pencil sketch of what the cruise is going to look like, and at the top it had. The upper deck, it had a bar, a tiki bar with wine bottles and all kinds of things. <laughs> then the lower deck had a piano, it, it had like little shops and doors and things. And uh, it was posted in the in Kalo. Then uh, from there, I, like I said, I went to Home Depot. I got uh, a handy plank and I just cut it and I put old pinball parts on it from that blackjack pinball machine. It was driven. Oh, you used that old blackjack pinball machine to go to go start doing this. Well, it, I I took the components off oh, of it. Yeah, yeah on the, onto the handy. Part. Yeah. Now I didn't have the cabinet because I didn't take the cabinet. Right. I ended up getting a free supersonic cabinet, which is what I used on it. Um, and uh, yeah, the, that doesn't support multi-level playfield, but it was good enough just to have some place for it to sit. Now, uh, before you go any further, I'm going to go on a quick tangent, but it'll be relevant for for the listener. Um. You're a you're, you're a developer by trade. So, do you like where did you get your mechanical, your electrical skills? Where did uh, you know your your craftsmanship for working with wood? Did you just grow up around that stuff, or did you have yeah, to learn that uh, as, as part of it? So, my father was a dentist, but before that, he got a degree as an electrical engineer. Ah, okay. And so, uh, in the evenings, he would teach me how to do soldering. You we would do kits together. He would teach me some some of the math. Um, which I didn't really understand when I, you know, when you're a little bab, you, you don't know, oh, you integrate this to get the current and all that. But, um, yeah, you planted the seed. So I, by the time I was in uh, middle school, I was already soldering really okay. well and everything. Uh, he wasn't a mechanical engineer and he wasn't a digital engineer. He was analog because he wanted, he loved ham radios. He was a big ham radio guy. Uh, okay. Uh, so I got a lot of that. The digital stuff was more me. I, I started programming in the fourth grade and, uh, so digital just made sense to me, and analog not as much. I can muddle through it now, but uh, yeah, that, that's kind of where I came from. And as far as mechanics go, generally speaking, pinball mechanics are really easy. Yeah. It, it's it's like a plunger going in and out, and maybe a little <laughs> lever. Uh, you can get more advanced stuff like Batman sixty six and, and things, but still, it's just. A motor or a, you know, a gearbox. Once you learn that the uh, that the electrons going through a coil create a magnetic field, that's pretty much you're 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 in good shape from there. Yeah, and and, and then you didn't you don't 
you should use some formulas to figure out how much you can really take yeah. and, and what resistors you need. But that comes later on after you burn up enough things and spend enough money that you, you decide, oh, I should learn this better. So so you're building out your white wood for haunted crews. You're using yeah. these 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 parts from from you know the the the, the, the play field you got. Keep 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 yep. going with the story. Um yeah, and uh with Blackjack, uh I did grab the transformer because I knew I would need a high power thing. And this is long before there was a homebrew section or even a homebrew concept on the internet. So I couldn't just go to Marco or Pinball Live or any place like that and get a power supply because I didn't know what the hell was going to be, what I was going to do. Uh, so I took the linear power supply from Blackjack, the big transformer. I attached it to an arcade micro switch <laughs> and that was a flipper. <laughs> it was direct, direct. Oh, wow. It, yeah, it wasn't even a leaf switch or anything. Yeah, it, uh, wicked safe, right? Um, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Love the reference. But uh, yeah, uh, it worked. I, I didn't let many people touch it, but it worked. <laughs> and, 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 and same, and, same with the jet bumpers. They just went right into the coil from, <laughs> from the little uh, pan. But, 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 but it worked. Yeah, it was, it was good enough to get, to get an idea and realize, oh, this, this ain't going to work this way. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and if somebody got a shock, somebody got a shock. It was, yeah, it, it was usually me. <laughs> Uh, but no, I'm pretty good about how how to keep things safe. Even if it doesn't look safe, it's safe. <laughs> it's one of those things. I'd, I put Haunted Cruise on hold for a while, and I started making another game called Fairyland Tales, which I used 3D Studio Max to design the playfield and everything. What a great program. Oh, it, it is a great program. I don't use it anymore, but it yeah. is fantastic. Uh, and that got pretty far along. I, I did that for about six months. And it was all all digital traded. I started making a white wood of it, and then I heard, oh, um, real companies actually use SolidWorks, so I switched over to SolidWorks. So you actually were doing CAD work in 3D Studio Max. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, and then you switched to SolidWorks. Yeah, well, the problem with uh, 3D Studio Max, I love it for creation and things. It, it's my go-to. I I don't enjoy Maya that much. I it's, I'm a Max guy, um, but. The issue is when you when you need to make holes and things, you got to do Boolean operations, and those things just don't play well with Mac, especially if you have a big plane, and then all of a sudden you're putting like a million different Boolean operations for all the little holes and, and whatnot. Uh, again, it was fine, and Max is accurate enough that you can set units and scales and things, but it, it you have to compress things down, and it, then you can't revert. And yeah, so anyways, I, I ended up switching to SolidWorks and re rebuilding that table in SolidWorks. But every time I rebuilt a table, I was able to refine like how I how I did it, and I was able to make the shots tighter because I understood oh the ball is this size it can fit through this gap, but sometimes it can't. But it can fit through this gap, <laughs> and uh, so I took what I learned from doing Fairyland Tales for about a year or so. Then I went back to Hunter Cruise, and completely redid the table again in uh, SolidWorks, and it's very similar to what's kind of here today. There are a bunch of changes, but uh, it, it got really tight. So instead of like one target or one jet being in one target, I was able to just push them closer and really measure with the balls. And that's when I more or less started the uh, that pin side thread. It was around the twenty what twenty twelve twenty thirteen. So so is that when you went to the pinball two thousand platform or no. not yet? Okay, still no, not not yet. Um, so the pinball two thousand platform. I only went to it because I realized that something already existed that would work with what I wanted to. 
so so I I didn't mean to ca- to yeah. catch you to jump the gun. So if you want to go back and fill in the no the, no, it, it's around that time when I started time. switching to it because in a, in SolidWorks I I had to create a, a you know a play field that would fit in in that platform uh, profile, but. Uh, previously on this old whitewood, in between like doing fairyland, because I was still like you know your, your brain still flows with the ideas. Um, I experimented with the pep- uh, Disney style Pepper's Ghost on this playfield, where in the arch I had two cubbies and an ultra bright light to shine up. Do you mind explaining to the listener for those that don't know what a Pepper's Ghost is? Yeah, sure. Um, Pepper's Ghost is a very, very old technique from like 1800s or something, made by Pepper, whatever his name is. Um, I just assumed it was Dr. Pepper. No, it, it, it's, it's Mr. Pepper. <laughs> you know, it, way back when, where it, it's a theater trick that they would put a sheet of glass kind of diagonal on a, a stage play, and then underneath the stage, they would have a ghost with a really bright light that would reflect off the mirror and kind of fade in and out and add this really, really interesting, like, magical thing that you know, most theater people would, would never be able to think of and dream of because, you know, 1800s, it's wow, this thing is just appearing out of nowhere. Um, it, it's really just taking a, that, that concept of, if you look at a, uh, like a window that's uh, when, you're, when it's bright on your side and you see your reflection, that's all it is, just a reflection. And one of the largest scale applications of Pepper's Ghost is it, the Haunted Mansion. Uh, yeah, it, it is the largest scale application. Um, yeah, and it's quite, quite amazing with what you can do if you really have a show scene set up perfectly for the effect to work. Uh, so with Haunted Cruise, I it, I took the arch, I made a wooden arch that had two little cubby holes like hidden away, and I had a Jigglypuff thing in in one of them, and a really really bright LED shining on it, and a piece of acrylic further in the playfield. And when I turned the LED on, you could see Jigglypuff appear. And I knew I wanted Pepper's Ghost on on like in two spots in the playfield, so the you know the ghost would go in when the a door opens or. Going up the ramp, I wanted like animated ghosts, uh, like steps or something. Going up there using that effect. Um, it, it it was really cool proof of concepts, but in reality, it was incredibly limited in what you could do. Um, and then I realized, hey, there's already something that kind of does this, <laughs> and that's when when I started exploring the the pinball two thousand technique and what they did. Which the biggest drawback with that is. The biggest drawback with that is you do need a very specific type of reflection on the glass, or like a, a coating on the glass to really see the effect. Regular glass just is not shiny enough to make that effect. Uh, but, I mean, it is what it is. It looks really great when, when it does. So I, I picked up a non-working uh, episode one. I, I kind of got it working. I, I sold the, the kit out of it so I could just keep the cabinet. And I, I bastardized it from there, more or less. So, um, what what did it take you to get the Pepper's Ghost effect working with 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 the version of your Whitewood for Haunted Haunted Bruce? Uh, it took a, it takes a lot of planning. You need to know what you're going to do if you want to do any kind of heavy Pepper's Ghost or heavy any, any kind of heavy digital overlay on something. And uh, I like to call what I do, uh, create in Hunter Cruise and all, all my other um, AR games uh, sets and dressings. So I, I have a physical set, but then I dress it with different skins. 
So um, folks are probably familiar with the term VR as a virtual reality. Do you want to say what AR is for those that might not know? Okay, so AR is, is known as augmented reality. Sometimes people also use the term MR, which is mixed reality. And it's the concept of instead of just being in a digital world like, uh, like uh, virtual reality, you can see the real world, but then there are digital things dotted around. Um, for anyone familiar with uh, Ghost in the Shell, it's very similar to what, what those characters see in, in Ghost in the Shell. And the reason you're using the term AR is because you're creating digital assets but projecting them through the pepper scopes. Is that correct? Yeah, well, th that's one reason. The other reason is um, holograms are no longer cool and AR is the catchphrase. <laughs> um. to totally fair. So um, now talk about how you incorporated the, the, the AR into the actual flow with the ball and with the, you know, with the, with the objectives of the game. Um, so again, that comes with a lot of planning on knowing what you really want to do. You can't just put a play field in, in one of these, one of these mixed reality uh, augmented reality games and say, Oh, wouldn't it be cool if this does this, this does this. Well, maybe if you want a box to, to break in half and open a path, Oh, you need something to actually drop and move out of the way for that. So that target won't work for that. So instead, that that box has to bounce somewhere else and then break in half. And then you can shoot through that path or something. So I create something called Game Design Docs, or GDDs. This is a standard practice in video game development. And for the most part, it pre-plans the entire game. Now, of course, it's a living document. You're going to change as things go on and you rebalance things and realize things don't work. But it gives you a really good blueprint as to what to expect. So with Haunted Cruise, I created a very crude in a notepad uh, game development doc at the time. I'm making much more formal ones now. <laughs> but uh, just so I knew what modes I wanted, what the story was going to be, who the characters were going to be, so on and so forth. So I could have a plan and decide, well, I still want this upper deck. And I know this upper deck is going to now be the mixed reality, augmented reality thing. What does that mean and how do I dress it? And what do I need on there to make these modes come to life. So talk about going under the play field. Um, let's, let's actually go under the, the Pepper's Ghost for a minute. What are some um, technical aspects that either you had to learn or you had to master, not just in terms of, of how the game interacts in terms of, uh, you know, like you were talking about the, the, the ball hitting a target that then disappears if the, if it's going to do, do something on, on the, on the AR, but uh, talk about how from a technical perspective you had to, understand the control of the Pepper's Ghost, the, you know, the, the, the programming of it so that it, it, it matches up with what's happening in the game. So I have the benefit of being a game programmer. I didn't have to understand any of that. It, it, it was already um, a cause and effect of like a player control. So I, I view all the targets and everything on a, on a play field, just like a, an Xbox or um, PlayStation controller. You press a button and it does something. Absolutely. And... So you, you hit a target, it does something. And that's really, that's, that's really how, how I did. They, they were, I don't know if that answers no, the question. No, no, that absolutely does. So I, 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 I have a background in, in games. I was one of the yeah. original uh, developers on the, on, on, on the Xbox. Yeah. Um, and so uh, what, what, what you said makes a ton of sense. So anybody coming from robotics or from games, it's, it's just an input-output system, yeah, which is yeah. exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Um, uh, and it, if you want something fancy to happen, then you just need the mechanic under there to, to do it. If, if you want like a really elaborate animation, well, the ball has to be held somehow, either through a magnet or a trough or a, a buck or a popper, whatever. 
And and so um, from the point that you started uh, building out the the augmented reality system, um, now is that a platform that you now have for yes. your for your system? Why don't yeah. you talk about that a little bit? Uh, so one of the biggest issues I ran with. Uh, so originally, I I was using the Pinball Two Thousand driver board. And I was controlling that with a, a Teensy 3.2. I, I created an, an I.O. thing with that. And, and it worked all right. But the, the, the Teensy 3.2 is just a small microcontroller. Yeah, it's basically, it's an Arduino. It's, it's yeah. a faster Arduino for anyone out there who knows. Um, the problem with that, though, is, first off, the hardware was just getting old. So it's 20-something years old. Uh, it doesn't have the technology that we have now for lots of things. Like it, you can't do LEDs easily with it. You can't do screens and everything. And it kept burning up my coil. So <laughs> I brought it to a show. Uh, the, the first show it ever came to, and, it, and the last show that that version ever came to, and it bur- went through three or four flipper coils. And you could smell it all through the show. <laughs> and at that point, I said to myself, number one, I'm never using digital controlled flippers again. And number two, I'm making my own damn board set. <laughs> so, so now you go down the road of building yeah. your own board set. So I've already gone down that road once before, but then I said, you know, screw it. That's that. I don't want to deal with it. Um, I got a P rock at one point. I, Frozen was running on, on P rock way back when, um, before P three was even a concept. And, uh, so if anyone wants an old P rock board from like 15 years ago, you can have it. <laughs> And uh, so I knew about that, but it was really expensive. I, I think to get that set up at the time was like seven, eight hundred dollars, which, yeah, but it, it's still a lot if I just want to get the machine. And since I already had that Star Wars Episode One thing, and it was parallel port, and it, if you look at the schematic, it actually tells you what all the IOs and everything are in it. I'm like, you know what? Why not? Um, there's another guy, uh, Jimmy, I think his name is, who was also playing around with it. So he and I chatted back and forth. I. Um, for anyone who wants to look up, um, what, what was that? Th- uh, wizard blocks. Jimmy was recreating the wizard blocks. Uh, another really smart guy. But ultimately, there are there are a lot of flaws with uh, Pinball 2000, just because it's it's not the year 2000 anymore, and there's a lot of new technology. So I I knew I wanted uh, uh, programmable pixels on there. I knew I wanted uh, hardware controlled flippers instead of software controlling hardware flippers, which is what the Pinball 2000 was. Um, I knew I wanted a hardware-controlled uh, jet bumpers and slingshots and things, again, just to get that immediate response and such. And I also knew I wanted the hardware to do a, a bunch of other heavy lifting of just kind of pre-programming a couple things, like patterns and pulses and things, which was very difficult with Pinball 2000. So you build out this platform. When does Haunted Cruise first see the new platform um, at, the, at this point? And what is the first show that you think that's going to be? The first show... <laughs> so I made three pinball machines at once for a show that used the platform right at the start. So Haunted Cruise saw this platform in 2001, question mark? Um, that was... And Haunted Cruise... For, for what what years? Two thousand three. Yeah, so two thousand one. So, uh, Pintastic New England had Haunted Cruise. No, it was in two thousand two. Two thousand two, they had this platform. Two thousand one, I brought Haunted Cruise the first time to Pintastic. So, two thousands were just a couple of years old at this. Point. Uh, uh, not not two thousand. Two thousand twenty one. Twenty one. Twenty one. What years? <laughs> <laughs> two years ago. Yeah, two thousand twenty one. Okay. I brought uh, 
a haunted cruise to uh, Pintastic New England using the uh, Star Wars Episode One and, and all that system. And that's when it blew through all those coils and you could smell it ah. everywhere. And that's when I said never again. So in 2002, I had six months to make this thing because it went from a winter uh, show to a summer show. Right. So, yeah, uh, the Pintastic moved from uh, the fall to its summer schedule that, that year from 2001 to 2002, I, I, I think. No, not 2000, 2021 to 2022. So something like, I had like six months to do this thing. So uh, six months I had to make the driver board. And so I had to design the driver board in like one month to get it sent out and, and built. Then I was working on three games because why not? Those three games were Haunted Cruise, Frozen, Frozen and Tale of the Dragon. Okay. And so the Haunted Cruise was, our, the playfield was already more or less done. Because I had done the playfield previously, uh, so that was the first one to kind of get the board. Once I got it in and got everything soldered and realized, oh, one of the board, one of the uh, 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 thing, a board, a uh, blank boards I got back, the ground plane was bad. So, it <laughs> so, so, so there, there, there went what like a hundred dollars worth of parts because <laughs> I couldn't easily get the thing. I kept pulling one part off at a time to figure out what, what's going on. By the time I was done, all of them are off. Oh yeah, so I was I was building the boards. Um, one of the board, uh, the blank uh, PCBs I got back, the ground plane was no good, and I didn't realize that until I pulled all the parts off, and I wasted like a hundred dollars in parts. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I was not happy, but all the other ones seemed to be okay so far. Knock on wood, because it, yeah, anything could happen. Still, I I did all those at once, all three of those games at once, and the first one on the floor. I, oh, at this point, um, I was buddies with a. a a pinball museum as well over in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, which has the benefit of not only do they get a special item no one else in the world has, I have a place to playtest my games. So wait, you bring your games for playtesting there? A Haunted Cruise has been on location for a year. That's awesome. Frozen has been on location for a year, too. Yeah. So do you also work on the machines in that same location? Yeah, um... So the museum is in a, a big, big warehouse. A bunch of different companies are in that. And a few months ago, I got a shop on the on the first floor. So I have an eight hundred square foot shop myself up there. That's where I do most of my creation or most of my assembly and whatnot at this point and, and programming. The benefit of that is once I have a whiteboard ready, I can pull the people downstairs up to tell me if it's good or not. And then once I have a game ready, I can take the game and just put it downstairs for testing. That is. That is uh, your entire story is pretty amazing to me. That's actually one of one of the what one of the finest points and and coolest things to me of this this entire journey is you have this entire space and this army of playtesters who yep. are going to try your white woods, who are trying your, your your machines. And now, so you took the machines to Expo. Yes. Talk talk to me about how that went. Um, that went okay until uh, the second day when Haunted Crew started to go on the fritz. I don't know why it went on the fritz. Well, I figured out why later on, but I didn't. The, the left flipper kept not wanting to do something. So, I, you know, I took sandpaper. I sanded the EOS switch to figure out what's going on. And it, it worked for a little bit. Come to find out after I get it back home, the uh, the little uh, yellow capacitor on, on the switch, the left flipper, was broken. And I didn't realize that. <laughs> so, but also partway through that show, uh, the power, the 16-amp, uh, uh, 48-volt power supply died. But 
I knew something was going to happen, so I brought my spare force sets and everything with me, so I was able to do a just-in-time swap of that show. But, uh, yeah, they, they survived Expo, which I was really worried about. And then from Expo, it went well, right actually, to Fantastic. B- b- before we went to Fantastic, yeah. um, at, at this point, it, you know, I, I need to tell you that my daughter and I were at Expo. Oh, okay. And one of her absolute favorite things about the entire show was in Frozen, how you have the Disney Infinity character yep. right in the center. She thought that was the coolest thing, and she loved the Frozen machine. So I wanted to tell you that. I, I held it up until this the, the, uh, this point. Well, she, she was super happy. Oh, that's cool, yeah. Well, I, I saw those characters, those Disney Infinity characters, and they, they were like perfect size for the pinball machine. And I knew right from the get-go when I was working on that uh, Frozen game. I, I have a, a daughter, too. At the time, she was five. Now she's 11. Um but I knew right at the get-go I wanted a Tales of Arabian Nights spinner, like lamp spinner with Elsa on top, spinning around doing magic and things. And with that Disney Infinity thing, with her hand out and everything, it, it's, it was it's perfect. perfect. Absolutely it's perfect. perfect. The placement of it isn't perfect, but it's perfect. <laughs> so our, our daughters are actually the same age. I didn't, didn't realize that. Oh, okay, okay so, so you're going to Fantastic. Yeah, so, and then I brought it to Fantastic uh, next. Was it Fantastic Nick, or was it, yeah? It was Fantastic after Expo because they, I think they were in November that year. They they keep bouncing around. Now, this year they're in September and then Expo. <laughs> um, yeah, so I brought to Fantastic after that, and uh, they they worked really really well. So um, and now you've got got Haunted Cruise here at the Northwest Arcade and Pinball Show, um, or North, Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show. I don't don't want to be in my case about that. Um, and I actually, I, I played it because it was, it happened to be down in Mexico when I walked by um, with, with, with my daughter, but I did get to play it here. And I want to tell you, A, your shots are extremely satisfying. It's just Thank a you. fun game to play. It took forever to get some of those. It, it, it is clear that you refined that. And that's actually one of the, you know, one of the, one of the key show points of the journey that you've taken is that you've done multiple waypoints. You've tried this, you know, physically, digitally. You've got the playtesting on it. Yeah. yeah, so one of the things... There, there were a couple things in this playtesting play that affected the game. I made an all-new upper playfield in September, this uh, this past September, because people kept complaining that they couldn't get to the uh, upper playfield, which is a problem since that's where like the meat and potatoes of the game is. That's, that's how you progress your story modes and things. And um, one of my buddies... Uh, I don't know if anybody knows him, Ryan McQuaid. Uh, yeah, he, I, I, I may have heard of yeah, him. Yeah, he played it and said, you got to get it up to the, the second play field like somewhere else, and we and I were discussing it. And ultimately, I decided, well, I already have a popper over there that sends it over to the left flipper. Well, the popper is just going to go to the upper play field instead. And in doing that, I then op- opened up the uh, the upper left part of that upper play field, so that would loop back down to the left play. So you have this big lower to upper loop, and in doing that, I was also able to add another diverter and move the drop target so I could have two different ways to get a mode completed. So I'm, you know, you, you actually watched me play, uh, when, you know, I'm not the best pinball player, yeah. but I did get up to the upper, upper, upper play field a number of times. I actually was impressed with how easy it was to actually get up there compared to a lot of games with, with upper play fields. And I will That's say... because people complained, so I had to make so, it easier, yeah, you know? Exactly. And also the ramp to get up there. Uh, in one day, I made five different pulls of that ramp to make it work. Oh, I, I have a vacuum form machine oh, in my garage. Do? Yeah, so um, I made five different. Uh, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, no, who doesn't? I have CNC machines vacuum. I'll have a CO2 laser cutters, and you know, it's just standard stuff. Um, yeah, either the curvature wasn't right, so it would rattle and it would just come right down, which is not good. 
or if it came down, it would go right to the outlane. So um, built into that ramp, I also added um, what Medieval Madness has, which is a little split thing uh -huh. at the bottom to help kind of guide it back. To it doesn't always work. It's not perfect, but it works a lot better than it did. So um, once once you get up to that upper upper play field, that's also where a lot of the Pepper's Ghost effects are. Th that's where all of it is um, with, with this particular machine. And um, I wanted to, to, to say that the effects of the Pepper's Ghost and the AR and the game integration, I was blown away with. Um, I played a ton of Episode One from Star Wars. I played a ton of Revenge from Mars. And this was by far the best experience I've seen with augmented reality on a, on a pinball machine. Um, well, thank you. And, you know, I got to give Williams and those teams kudos back then. They were doing something that they really had no right doing back then. They, the technology wasn't available for, for that kind of thing. Every sprite had to be pre-rendered and designed. So if they needed to make a change, they got to re-render the whole thing. Now I'm using Unity and three like 3D models and shaders and everything. It's like in, in a second, I can just tweak things around or re-rotate or adjust the camera. So the fact that they even did that back then, is it's amazing. Oh, 100%. Not yeah. a knock or a slight at yeah, all no. to the folks working on it. But where you, like, you can tell that you have taken that technology to the next level. You really, really should be proud of, of, of you know, as, as an enthusiast, as somebody who appreciates what, you know, what goes into this, you, like, it's, it, it's absolutely amazing. Well, thank you very much. I, I did do a lot of, uh, I spent a lot of time getting the feel right. Like one, my favorite shot in that game is the bell because you hit it and it goes ding, ding, ding every time you hit the thing. Um, I, I would like to fix the IK a little bit so it's a little more physical reaction with it. But it I, I, IK being inverse kinematics. Yeah. Um, um, yes. Just, I was just trying to show yeah, that I knew what that true, was. <laughs> um, and, and my other favorite effect that I got in there was uh, when the door is open. Like the very first mode is there's a door up there. And I spent a good week. Uh, for those of you who know model, uh, 3D modeling things, I, I spent a good week unwra unwrapping the whole model and then painting all the textures where it needs to go. That's the first thing everybody sees. It needs to kind of look okay. Uh, but when the door opens, only one door opens and the other door is still closed. What previously happened was you, you would hit it and it would do nothing, but that's boring. So now when you hit it, just that one door kind of wiggles a little bit. And, 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 and listener I, in playing the game i felt that door wiggle like i was like oh my god the ball just went through there yeah and the, the the connection between the digital and the physical is a true magic moment now there's one other magic moment which you know if you want to give it away that's fine but i don't want to give away a magic moment for, for for a listener um as i was playing i actually felt that the machine was haunted there came a point um, do you want to talk about how you made that effect? Because I uh, I, I it, yeah, yeah. It, it it absolutely put shivers on my okay. spine. So uh, the magnet, I have three magnets in there. Only two are hooked up right now because I need to adjust the pulse times. But I have three magnets in there. And I the magnets are activated in a shot that everybody will hit a million times. And these are known as the pranking spirits. So once you activate those magnets, they, they pulse like crazy. They have a super high pulse rate. And it'll just grab the ball and it'll throw it back and forth to each magnet. Yeah, so I didn't actually make the magnets do what, they, what they're actually doing. I just set the pulses in such a way that it was kind of an interesting pulse rate, and then magic kind of happens. So, um, you know, there, 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 there is the, 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 the magnets on atoms, as an example. Um, you know, it's, it's an effect that has been used before. And, the, you know, when, when, when you get the power on atoms, it's kind of like ball, you know, ball will just drain or like it's, it's kind of be, you know, you have no idea what's going to happen, but you know what's going to happen. With, 
with what you did, it truly felt like the ball got picked up and thrown to go do something else by a ghost. It was a it was a it was a surreal experience. Now, if I had all three magnets running, there's one particular magnet that's right underneath where that target is, right when it comes out. And I, I specifically did make that pulse start. So every once in a while, it can actually grab and hold the ball. And you don't know what it's going to do. It's going to wobble. All of a sudden, it's going to just grab it. So any one of those magnets can just hold the ball. And you're like, what, what's going on here? Um, but the ball has to be going slow just at the right time. And it'll grab it. So this this is all clearly a labor of love for you. Like I, you know, yeah. I talked to you earlier in the show. I'm talking to you right now. I can see it in your face. I can see it. You know, it, you just smile. Yeah. Like you, you light up when you talk about so, this. But the reason I make video games or pinball or redemption games or anything like that is I like seeing the reactions that people had. Case in point, uh, yesterday there was a couple playing the game, and they were getting really big into it, right? And then. Uh, the magnets came on, when, when, uh, and they shot in the left scoop by accident because they were just trying to get control of the ball. The ball kicked out of the scoop. The magnet grabbed it, threw it right back in the scoop. <laughs> and they were like, what are you? But it was instantaneous because it shot out right at the right pulse time to throw it right back into that scoop. And I'm like, yeah. So, so talking about done being better than better, um, what's, what's your plan with Haunted Cruise? What's your plan with your other games? Like, where, where do you want to take this? Uh, Haunted Cruise is not going to be done for a very long time because I am trying to convey a story that is out of the scope of pinball, and I need to figure out how to get that story into pinball. What, what, what do you mean uh, out of the scope of pinball? Unpack that for So, uh, pinball is a, a very wild, very sloppy type of game when you play it. Ball's all over the place. It, it, you can't do something like uh, Final Fantasy very easily. That's very slow. You then stop, and there's a whole lot of lot of expletive and all and whatnot going on. And Haunted Cruise leans more towards heavy story. Uh, for well, for instance, the uh, the name of the ship. Do you know the name of the ship? I read it, but I forgot. Yeah. Um, is it represented in the game at all? No, it's not. No. So it's with the D, right? The Grand Allure, yeah. I think. I believe, and I think that that means like sorrow or sadness in French or something. And <laughs> you told me. Yeah, well, they chose a while ago. <laughs> um, that's not presented in the game at all. You don't know what it is, but I want to get that in there. And the ship is actually alive, but I don't really represent that yet. Also, there's a lot of the various ghosts I want represented. There's a mode called the Torn Family that is going to be a wife talking about their uh, their adventure on this ship. And as the adventure continues, weird, more and more weird things happen until the inevitable happens. I, I don't have any of that kind of stuff in there, any of that, like, filler things. Um, and figuring out how to do that is, well, w without making the player bored, it's very easy for a pinball player to get bored if it's they're not shooting around. That's the difficult part, and that's why it's going to take really long to, to finish. I got you. So it, it may get feature complete, but it won't be... A presentation complete, I guess, is, would be the term. But you're going to keep keep taking them to shows. Yeah, oh, we're yeah. going to keep keep having the, the the games play tested in your in your in your laboratory. I mean, well, well, no, that uh, Haunted Cruise right now, Haunted Cruise's Forever Home is the uh, the museum floor. You just can go and play it. That's so cool. Same, same with Frozen. Until my daughter gets old enough and has her house and it goes to her, 
it's going to just stay in the museum tomorrow until they kick me out. <laughs> Same with all my other games. Um, and it doesn't seem like they want to kick me out anytime soon. So how do you make the time for it? You know, you've got a daughter, um, you've got you've got a day job, which is, I'm sure, demanding. How, you know, how, how do you find the time between, let's say, 10 and 2 a.m. For, for this endeavor? Well, uh, you only need to sleep three hours a day. <laughs> I'm only half joking about that. <laughs> That's to, to, uh, 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 absolutely totally true. Um, so, you, you know, in, uh, as we're wrapping down here, um, is there any advice you would give to the listener? Who, you know, is, is you 15 years ago going down this journey? What, like, what, what would you tell them to get started? Or would you say, don't, you know, run for the hills, don't go do this? What, what would you tell the listener who's interested in taking their first step? No, so um, there's a couple of buddies of mine who I'm actively encouraging and I'm helping them out with these things and I'm cutting white woods for them and, and, and such. Uh, my, my words of advice are decide what you plan on getting out of it and what your goal is with it. Do you plan to just make a game? Then don't worry about hardware. Go to Fast or P-Rock or something. Do you plan on uh, doing some kind of crazy mech? If not, just go to Marco and Pinball Life and get generic stuff. Don't don't uh, bite too much off that you can chew. Do, do something simple because over the years, you it will get refined and you will be able to do more as you learn. Um, also... Don't expect it to be done in, in six months. It, it's not a six-month project, especially when you're learning things. And the more you need to learn, the, the more you need to learn. And you won't know what you need to learn until you get to it, too. Uh, with what I have set up right now, I can go from CAD to Whitewood in one month. That's awesome. But it took me, what, 15, 10, 12, how was, how, yeah, 12, 12, 12, 12, years, 12 plus years to be able to do that. And I I have my own engine that I've set up, my own framework. I have a whole set of processes and all, all kinds of things. And that just takes a long time to do because I knew this is something I wanted to do continuously. But for someone just making one or two games, you don't necessarily need to do that. Just take your time. Look, I'm, I'm absolutely in awe of you, the work that you've done, the machines you've put together, um, your commitment to it, and kind of your, 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 your insight, not kind of, your insight into... That, that point of know what you want to get out of it. That's a, that's a really, really great piece of advice. Um, you know, I want to thank you for taking the time away from the show, away from the games um, to, to, to do this interview. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and, and meeting you. Um, are there people that you want to thank that, that helped you get here? You know, maybe, maybe your daughter or... or, or oh, yeah, like, well, my, my wife for being uh, allowing of me to do this to be kind. Uh, it, it's, it's not cheap and it takes a lot of time, but she's, she's A-OK with it. Uh, I mean, she knew she was getting into when we, when we were dating, I had arcade games, so she kind of had an idea. Not necessarily to the extent, but... Um, that the spark was there. My yeah. my wife, yeah. there's, she could not claim ignorance on, on yeah. What, yeah. what she married. Oh, yeah. She knew what she was getting. Yeah, so I definitely uh, thanked her, and I love her very much. Um, my daughter, too, just for being interested in some of this stuff. She doesn't play it that often, but she does get interested when I was making frozen. She always wanted to go into the garage and press all the little targets with her hands and things. So that was, that was neat. Um, I want to actually, to get to this show, I want to thank Aaron because I shipped my game to his house and Aaron yeah, Aaron, a fast, yeah. uh, awesome guy. And, uh, if it wasn't for him, first off, I wouldn't be here. Uh, he's very convincing. And, uh, the, the game certainly wouldn't be here at all either. Um, I, I, another shout out actually to uh, Ship My Pinball. I don't know if anyone has heard that company. That's what I used to get the game here. Oh, that's no, what I, I, have, I, I haven't heard it. So uh, Ship My Pinball, uh, 
it, a guy named Dino, I think he's in Canada, he runs it. Um, it's a, a little more expensive sometimes, but he takes care of everything, basically. You, you, he treats it like a pinball machine. Yeah, it's, it's, well, he knows it's a pinball machine, he has partners, so he, he'll give you advice, and we had it, had trouble getting the game picked up for uh, for the show, so he, he got his, his folks involved, and we got the game. So, yeah, shout out to them, we'll be using them to get it back. That's awesome. Do you do you think you're going to be at Expo again this year? Oh, I'm going to be at Expo with games. Oh, I, I cannot wait to see it. And any chance your daughter's going to be there? No, my family aren't going to be there. Yeah. It, unfortunately, they they more or less be bored with what's <laughs> going on. It's it's not. I, I wanted to get my wife out to Chicago for at least a day, but I didn't get the hotel room soon enough, so I couldn't get enough days to be out there. <laughs> so so the, the reason I'm asking is because I wanted to see if my daughter would have somebody to hang out yeah, with during no, Expo. They're, they're, they're not gonna they're not gonna be there. All right, listen, Lynn, I really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to post links uh, that you had provided as well. Um, and maybe we can dig up that KLOP thread and, 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 yeah, and, we'll and post, post that as well. Yeah, it, it's somewhere in there. All right. Have a good remainder of the show. You Thanks. Too. Thank you very much. Bye. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for listening. And I can't wait to see what you make.